where you ask each other the question, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what's the one thing that you would take with you? How many of you ever played that game? Most of you. The rest of you aren't normal. What's wrong with you? Right, I remember as a kid, when I was asked this question, and this is totally going to date me, I remember my answer was, man, if I were going to be stranded on a deserted island, the one thing I would take with me would be my Atari 64 game console. As I grew older, into junior high, senior high, I remember, man, the thing I would bring is my Sony Walkman. How many of you remember that, right? Anyone under 30 is like, what, what is that thing, right? And, and, and then as you get older, you get more practical. Well, I would bring a Swiss Army knife, or I mean, the real answer is a boat, right? You would take a boat to a deserted island. But now that we're older, we don't ask questions like that anymore. And, and you know why we ask those questions? Because we want to find out what is the most important thing to you, right? If you could distill it all down, what is the most essential thing that you would consider to take with you on the island? So in the spirit of that same question, I want to ask in this series, Family Matters, as we're talking about family, I want to ask you this question. If you could give only one thing to your family, what would it be? The answers to that question, I think, would vary a lot. I think some people might say, well, money. I, I want my family to be financially secure. That's why I work so hard, and I, I, don't want, I want my kids to not worry about college. Others of you may say, well, time. I, I want my family to know that uh, they are more important to me than my career and my job. I, I want to spend time together on trips and vacations. Uh, others might say opportunities or skills. Right? I, I want to send them to the best schools or give them the greatest opportunities to grow as a person, to, to learn social intelligence and healthy self-esteem and discipline and boundaries and responsibilities. And I think a lot of people would have a lot of different answers. And while I think all those answers are good answers, even perhaps great answers, I don't think they are the best or most important answer. So what is the best thing that you could give? I, I propose to you today that the most important thing that you could give to your family is a healthy marriage. If you are stranded on a deserted island with your family, what is the one thing, what is the most important thing you could give to your family? Help me out here. Oh, that was pretty weak. <laughs> Let's try it again. If, we are, if, you are deserted on, if you are deserted on an island with your family, what's the one thing, that, the most important thing that you could give to your family? Now, hold on to that because the moment I said that, I, I think the anxiety, emotional anxiety in the room went up. Because some of you are thinking, well, I'm not married, so like, I'm, still, I'm still single, I'm trying to find the one, so what do I do? Do I just sit back and hit cruise control? Do I just like spend the next 25 minutes looking at Instagram or something? I say, no, 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 because again, according to statistics, almost all of you, like 96% of the population, will someday get married and start a family of your own. And so I would say, if, that's your, if you're in that boat, dial in right now. Learn some of these lessons that other married couples will tell you, oh yeah, this is so true. Learn them now so you don't have to go through the pain of some of these things that we're going to talk about. Others of you are thinking, well, I'm not married anymore. I'm divorced, so what do I need to do? Should I bail out on this message? 
And I would say, no, no, don't bail out for two reasons. First of all, even if you're divorced, I don't think that negates the answer to the question of how to build a family. And if there's anyone who understands the reality of this truth more than anybody else, it's probably the person who's gone through the pain and the hurt of divorce. And secondly, if you find yourself as a single mom or single dad, I hope that when you are discipling your kids, that you are talking with them about the importance and the honor of marriage. Because you know we are seeing far too many people today who are disillusioned and disenchanted with this whole idea of marriage. And so as you can see a lot of people, especially a lot of guys who would just rather shack up than build a home. Right? Any boy can shack up. It takes a man to build a home. So you have a burden, especially if you're a single parent here tonight, you have a burden to disciple your kids in a way that when they grow up, right, that they see the honor of marriage and they want to see it actually modeled through your words and your wisdom. So don't bail out. A few of you are like, well, my marriage is on the rocks, so I don't know if there's any hope. Well, I, I hope this encourages you and challenges you and I hope you lean into some of the things that we talk about, and I hope you start asking yourself this question in response to the message is, God, what would you have me do? Right? Instead of focusing on blame shifting and trying to control or change your spouse, which we all know that's not going to happen, right? Stop trying to change your spouse. You, you, do you know how many marriages would actually turn around if both parties would first begin by uh, working on themselves? So in that, in that light, start to ask, God, what would you have me do in light of this? And maybe a few of you are like, Psh, my marriage is pretty healthy. We're, we're good. Here's what I would say. Stop lying to yourself. We all know the truth. Right? We all can use help. And just because it may be good now doesn't mean that something may happen where you find yourself in a bad place. And so hopefully I've made this tent broad enough for all of us to get under so let me, again, start with the whole uh, proposal here. The most important thing you can give your family is what? Help me again. A healthy marriage. And so what does the Bible say about both the centrality and the primacy of marriage? And we could look at a lot of different places. We're going to look at one place in particular today. It's in the beginning of Genesis chapter 2 where God is creating the universe, and he creates man. And then in verse 18 of chapter 2, he says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And so here we see God creating the first earthly relationship. And notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't give him kids first. Right? He, he didn't want him to go crazy and lose any sleep or anything like that. What God does is he creates a family by first creating a marriage Kids don't even come into the picture until Genesis chapter 4, two chapters later. And then after he creates woman, uh, this is what the man says. This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And so when you, when you look throughout the scriptures, when you look at this, you see the primacy, primacy and the centrality of marriage, that it is such a unique relationship that there is almost a kind of mystical union that happens when two actually become what the Bible calls one flesh. And throughout scripture, when you, whenever there's a command to, uh, or an exhortation to the family, 
it is always addressed to the marriage first, and then secondly, to the family. You see that in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, Colossians 3, and other places. And Bible scholars say this is not a random sequence, right? In other words, the love for your spouse is always comes before your love for your kids. Now, some of you may think, well, that sounds pretty sacrilegious. I mean, I love my kids. So are you telling me that there's a higher priority in the org chart, if you will? And it's not kids first and then my spouse, but it's my spouse and then kids? Yeah, that's exactly what the Bible is calling us to. Yes, that doesn't mean that you don't love your kids. But sometimes the problem is that we love our kids more than we love our spouse. And so there is a biblical calling and precedence to love your spouse first, to demonstrate this primacy and centrality of marriage in your family. Why? Because that relationship, that earthly relationship, affects every other thing in your family. Even think about this in the context of parenting. When you think of family, you think of mom, dad, kids, you know, like even as a parent, what is the central aim of parenting? Uh, And it's not slave labor, right? Get the kids to cut the lawn or things like that. The central aim, and this is my take, the central aim of parenting is this. To guide your, the central aim of parenting is to guide your children in such a way that they have the greatest opportunity to make a lot of money and get a good job. No, to glorify God, to follow Jesus in two different categories. I mean, they're the the same, but in who they are, who they are becoming as a person, their, their character, and what they do, their purpose and calling in life, their vocation. So parents, if you're a parent, your, your job is to guide your children in a way that they have the greatest opportunity to glorify God in who they are and what they do. And how do you think your kids best learn that? Maybe I'll ask this. How did you best learn that? Did somebody sit down and tell you a bunch of principles and facts and then give you a quiz six weeks later? Or did they best learn things because they were modeled for you? They were lived out in front of you. That's what happens, right? And so apply that to family and to parenting. A husband or a wife or even a single parent, you are the primary relationship in your kid's life. And not only are you the primary relationship in your kid's life, you are the primary picture of what an adult looks like and behaves like in your kid's life. And so I hope you start to feel the weight of the responsibility of parenthood. Because again, you are the primary modeler for your children. And again, if you're not a parent, just think of that with your parents as you grew up. So what you learn, if, if, if what you learned as a kid or what your kids learn, let's say about communication, they're going to learn from you as parents. What they learn about conflict resolution, they're going to learn from what you do or don't do after a fight. They're going to learn how to fight by how you fight. They're going to learn to reconcile by how you do that. They're going to know, they're going to learn about relationships, how to treat one another by the way you treat your spouse. When they learn about the Christian faith, it doesn't happen because you drop them off at Grace Kids or Grace Youth. It happens because they learn that about your faith that is lived out or not lived out in your life. Because again, you are the primary modeler. Now, some may argue, well, I I thought, Sung, when you said, what is the most important thing that you could give to your family? I thought that you were going to say the gospel. And and to be frank, you're probably right. 
And the gospel far outweighs everything else if you were to put it on a scale. And we'll get back to this again later, but let me just say this. The only problem with saying that first and foremost is, is this, that if your marriage models something opposite of the gospel, does that do well for your children? Not at all. In fact, some of you are here today, uh, finally in a church after being gone from church for such a long time. Maybe it's been years. I talk to people who are like, I haven't been to church in decades. And oftentimes, part of the reason why is they say, well, my parents said one thing about the gospel, but their marriage said something completely different from, uh, uh, from the gospel. And so they'll, they'll tell the story and say, you know, I got so soured by church and, the, and religion and Christianity. Why? Again, because your parents were the primary modelers of the gospel in your life. And that's the power of modeling. So that's why I say, again, the most important thing you could give to your family is, help me out again, a healthy marriage. And that is why, to work on your family, you have to first work on your marriage. And let me give you some three specific practical steps that I want you to consider. And again, these may sound so simple, uh, and I'll say this, if you're dating or engaged, you may see this and you're like, oh man, this is so easy. Marriage is going to be a breeze, right? It's only if, you're, if you've been married like five, ten plus years that we'll talk through this and you'll be like, oh, oh yeah, this, this really applies. So again, um, and, and uh, so first, first out of three practical steps when it, when it comes to marriage is this. Esteem your spouse even when they don't deserve it. Look, can we, can we have a talk here? Like, we know that you are not married to the most perfect person in the world, right? Do I have a witness? <laughs> Don't say amen, right? You're going to be sleeping on the couch. <laughs> Newsflash, they're not married to the most perfect person in the world either. It goes both ways. And here's what happens in a marriage. When you have a marriage in which you don't feel loved or respected or honored, you, you start thinking and feeling this. I will start honoring my spouse when they start honoring me. And let me tell you, that is such a dangerous position to be in. For a couple reasons. To say that I will honor you when you begin to honor me, it's dangerous because first of all, it inflates your pride. And I'm not saying that you're not justified in feeling some kind of injustice in, what you're, in how your spouse is treating you or, or how they're acting. But if you say, I'll begin to love them, I will respect them, when she or he begins to show respect to me, it so inflates your pride that unless your spouse comes crawling across the floor on hands and knees over broken glass, things will never come to even terms. Some of you hear that and go, man, that, that's a really great picture. I'd love to see him do that, right? I wish that would really happen. And if he did that, just might make things better. Here's the thing, it won't. Because even if he or she does that, when they transgress just one time after that, it's back to square one, and now you're more angry and more bitter, and you all know that's a great foundation to build a marriage on, right? And so the culture says, look, respond to your spouse the way he or she responds to you. But how many marriages, how many healthy marriages do you know that live by that principle? And so again, it's so dangerous to think this way because it inflates your pride. But secondly, the second problem is it doesn't reflect 
uh, it doesn't reflect upon the grace of God that's been bestowed to us. So let me speak to followers of Christ here. When you think of God and what he has done for you in sending Jesus Christ, when did he give his son to you? Was it when you deserved it, when you measured up? Absolutely not. It was when you didn't deserve it at all. Romans chapter 5 says this, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still, what's this word? Sinners. Christ died for us, right? And so what happens is when you esteem your spouse and, you, and they don't deserve it, right, you speak a mighty word about the gospel you believe in. Because what you're doing at that point is you're not dipping into the favor of your spouse. You are actually dipping into the favor of God and that he has bestowed upon you. And when that happens, it moves in you this impulse to be kind to, guess who? Sinners, right? You happen to be married to one. And oh, you actually happen to be one as well. And so this is a call to transcend from just loving your spouse to actually loving God. Let me say it this way, because how you treat your spouse says just, uh, just as much about what you believe about God as much as what you believe about your spouse. So if you're verbally abusive or physically or emotionally, like that says so much about what you believe about God, more so I would say than what you believe about your spouse. Or, or, so, so again, that, that is so key to understand. And you know what? If you have kids, your kids know the score. They know who the gracious parent is and they know who the selfish parent is, just like you did when you were growing up. So let me tell you what this looks like in, in real time. What does it look like to esteem your spouse? I think one thing that means is it means, that means presenting a unified front. You take each other's sides. So if I could speak to the men or the dads today, if your kids ever mouth off to their mom, I hope it is you who go and you, that you would like cut them off at their knees or something, that you would go godfather on them. You know, hey, Joey, you know, why are you talking to your mom like that? Because here's why, this is why this is so important. Because they need to understand that the greatest earthly relationship in the family is not them. It's their mom and it's their dad. Right? That's why they need to understand that the most, important, the, the most important earthly relationship in that family is mom and dad. Look, I, I know that's easy to say and hard to enforce, especially if you have a jerk of a, hus- uh, uh, a spouse. Don't want to just pick on the husbands. Jerk of a spouse, right? I'll say this. It's one thing to give strokes to your spouse when they're doing great. It's another thing to give strokes to your spouse when they're not. And your kids see it. And so when your kids see it, and you, maybe you've seen this, right? You, you, you think, what is so different about mom and dad that they're like this? I'll tell you what's different about them. They have a God that they are serving that has been kind to them in the midst of their unkindness, and that's affected everything in their life, even the way they treat each other. And so because God been, God's been kind to them, they can't help but be kind to the other person. So husbands, make sure your wife is, is esteemed by you and your family. And not just because it's Mother's Day, but every day. Secondly, esteem your spouse even when they don't deserve it. Secondly, 
Make time for your spouse. Now, doesn't that sound obvious? Like, well, duh. Especially if you're dating or engaged, you're like, oh, man, we always make time for each other. Like, we're on the phone until 3 a.m. Or, you know, and, but look, and families, parents of kids, you know this. In an age where families spend their free time toting their kids from one event to another to another to another, this is such a big deal. Because I will say, sometimes the busiest families have the loneliest marriages. Because you quit fighting for time with your spouse and surrendered to your kids. So I will tell you, when our kids were really little, our kids are 13 and 11 now, but when they were like one and four, I mean, that's when it was really hard. And so even then, we were committed to a date night. And so a date night back then, it's not like we had a lot of money, we had babysitters or anything. So this, this is what babe, date night looked like. We are like, kids, this is mommy and daddy time for us to spend time together. So don't mess with us or we'll go godfather on you. That's what my wife Amy said. I'd be like, oh, I love you guys, right? No. Um, so, and, so we, and so a date night would be like, go up to your room, right? Leave us alone because this is time for mommy and daddy. And so you have to fight for time with your spouse. Here's the thing. You did it when you were dating, right? Nobody says, well, now that we're married, we don't have to spend time together. But what happens? Life happens. Kids come along. Next thing you know, you're nothing but roommates. You know what roommates are? You share the same house with a roommate, but you don't share the same life with a roommate. And so this is what happens. And, and again, let me balance this out too, because I, I know we live in a world where we all have crazy schedules. And we, sometimes there is a season where you have to acknowledge it and just say, you know, honey, this is going to be a, a really crazy season. Uh, we're just going to be roommates for a while. But here's the problem. The season becomes seasons. A month turns into months. Months turn into a year. A year turns into years. And the next thing you know, you don't even know your spouse anymore. You're nothing but roommates. So I want to call you to intentionally schedule time with your spouse. I mean, gosh, we schedule time for our kids' activities, right? Well, they have swim lessons here. They have, they have sports here. They have karate class here. Like, we schedule all those things. I would say schedule time with your spouse. Make time for it. And, and then can you let your calendar actually be a profound statement to the rest of your family, especially to your kids? Can you fight to let your calendar make a statement about your marriage instead of just making a statement about your kids? Why? Because the most important thing you could give to your family is what? A healthy marriage. Who cares if your kids are involved in a lot of things if you don't know your spouse? So make time for your spouse. Thirdly, again, may, may seem small, maybe even uh, trivial, but show affection for your spouse. Again, right, if you're engaged or dating, sometimes it's hard to keep your hands off your, you know, your girlfriend or, or, or uh, fiance, but again, like years and years into marriage, it sounds like a small thing, but it's a it has a huge impact. And again, especially if you have kids, think modeling here, right? And when I say show affection, it's going to sound kind of junior high-ish, but like show appropriate displays of affections before your kids, right? Like, because that communicates, and mommy and daddy still love each other. 
Like, I'm not asking you to create this, like, adult-only scenario, right, where you traumatize your kids. That's not what I'm saying. But you are modeling what it looks like to love your family. And better than modeling, do this because you love your spouse. Some of you have teenagers, and some of them may see you, like, you know, get affectionate, and they may be like, oh, gross, mommy and daddy are kissing in the kitchen, I'll say this, they are still watching and deep down inside, they are so glad that mommy and daddy still love each other. So homework assignment this week. Men, take time out of your busy schedule. I get it. Take some time and cuddle on the couch with your wife. Give her a foot massage after a long, hard day. Right? And all the women said, amen, right? <clears throat> When you get home for your long day at work, men, walk straight to wherever your wife is. Give, not only give her a hug, not only give her a kiss, but give her a kiss on the lips. Wives, wives in return, leave your husbands alone when they're watching the game. <laughs> Just had to sneak that in there, right? Because again, the most important thing that you could give to your family is, and too many people fail in thinking this, they think that you can be a good parent and not be a good spouse. You cannot. It is a myth. I can be a good parent, but not a good spouse. It doesn't work that way. And you know that because many of you grew up in loveless homes where you had a great mom or a great dad, but you knew they were not a good husband or a good wife. And you know how much that wounded you. This does not work. You cannot be a good parent and not a good spouse. So the best way to impact your family, first, is to impact your marriage. Let me just close by saying this. There is a power that we must draw from if we are to love our spouse well. And the engine that gives us the, that kind of power does not reside within us because it runs on the fuel of forgiveness and mercy and kindness and, and all these things that can only be given to us by the sheer grace of God. And so you know what that means? And this goes outside just husbands and wives. This goes to all of us. That means we must, deter, we must turn to Jesus first. That means... Right? In, like, and I'm going to put this in the first uh, personal pronoun here. This has to be my perspective as a husband, as a father, as a man. I have to say about my wife, Amy, I have to, say, I have to be able to say what Amy needs most from me is not that I love her most or even our kids. What she needs from me most is that I love God most. Because if I love God most, I will love Amy best. If I love God for who he is, I will love Amy uh, for the way that, I, that she needs to be loved. And so we need to come, be able to come to a place where we can make the statement, something like, you know, I, Sung Kim, in order to love my wife, Amy Kim, well, as God wants me to love her, I must first develop a heart that loves God more than her. And you know how that happens? You don't drum that up within your own strength and power. That only happens when you get ruined again and again and again by the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And then when that happens, when you get ruined by the gospel every single day regularly and it just ruins you, then my wife and my kids receive the benefits 
of the love and forgiveness and mercy and kindness that has been growing inside of me and being fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me. And that is the only way that I can love them the way God wants me to love them. So what your family or your spouse needs more than anything else is for you to love God first and foremost. Because what your family needs most, more than anything else, is a healthy marriage. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's pray. And so, God, we thank you for being the lover of our souls, that you sent your son even when we didn't deserve it, that you gave us your mercy and kindness that led us to repentance. And we pray that that grace of God would so transform our hearts that it would melt any kind of bitterness or anger or abuse or, or blame shifting in us that you would begin to transform the marriages in this congregation, that you would transform the men and the women here, that we would love you more than anything else, that we would love our spouse as our most earthly dearest. And God, would we lead families that are glorifying to you in who we are and what we do. And so God, in this area of immense pain and brokenness, where we've all experienced some form of dysfunction. We pray for your healing and your restoration and your wholeness to fill our lives. In Christ's name we pray, amen.